Hi, this is Steve Erspringer. You're listening to Worshiping God, God's Way. In this podcast, we're taking a look at Judges 6 and 7. It's the story of Gideon. Now, most people know Gideon by the organization called the Gideons, and the Gideons International really distribute Bibles all over the world. They give them for free. They actually basically, on an average, they give about 2,000 copies of Bibles away per minute, and it's without charge. So Gideon's had a really great ministry, and I, I believe they're still operating today, but they base their ministry, their statement of faith, off of the life of Gideon. So they mention his faith and his humility and his obedience, and they talk about that in that statement of faith. But there's one thing that they don't mention, and that's what this podcast is about. But in the very beginning of this, we find Israel is in a place where they are fitting into a Mideastern social community, and they're worshiping the gods that are popular during that time and in that place. They're worshiping Canaanite gods, And those Canaanite gods have been around for thousands of years. And actually, one of the gods, Baal, he becomes Satan and is recognized throughout the Bible uh, for his interaction with, you know, Michael the angel and Moses and Joshua and even Jesus. But in this story, though, Israel is worshiping Baal. Israel is definitely offending God, and God gets upset about it, and so he challenges Israel by bringing problems. He brings the Midianites and the Amalekites to their doorstep, and he they start struggling, and they go to God when they've had enough because these tribes are swarming them like locusts. They cry out to the Lord for help, so the Lord comes to them and says, hey, I'm your God. I'm still here. I'm living, but you're worshiping the wrong way. He said, you are worshiping these gods, and you're living in their land. You're living like them. You're not supposed to be doing that, so here we are. Of course, people do not like to be challenged when they talk about worship. If a God came to me and said, hey, you're worshiping the wrong way, I would think my response wouldn't be like Gideon's. I would hope it would be something different. But Gideon responds to God's call, not only because he's afraid he has low self-esteem, but he himself had worshiped like that. So he has some guilt going on. He responds to God in a very strange way. He goes, pardon me, Lord. You know, you've abandoned us. You know, you've given us over to the hand of the Midianites. You know, everybody asks the question when there's something going wrong. You Do you say, why is this happening? But God responds to Gideon and he says straight out, he goes, listen, I'm going to fix this problem and I'm going to send you to do it. And then he says, no, wait a second. Pardon me again, Lord. Uh, I got a question here, but uh, how can I do that? How can I help you? I'm the weakest guy. I'm the least in my family. So his self-esteem is very low. And God basically says it three times. He says, listen, you're going to do it. You're gonna, I'm going to get you through this. And so Gideon takes this on. He says, I found favor with you, God. You're telling me that I'm good, good to go. But for me, I need a sign that shows me and proves to me. I just don't want your voice. It's not enough for me. Well, a lot of us are like that. We get the word of the Lord. We read his word, but sometimes it's not enough. And so we ask for other things. But Gideon does something funny. He runs away and he gets an offering. But before he runs away to find his offering, he says, please don't go away, Lord. Just wait here for me. He's acting like a Canaanite. Canaanites would do that. They went and got 
their food and they prepare things, they bring it to the idol, drop it at its feet and try to please it with these senses of smell and taste. But he was still treating God as a Canaanite would. So the Lord says politely, I'll wait for you. Go ahead, go get your stuff. The Lord's very compassionate. He's compassionate with us because we do the same thing as well. But he says, I'll wait for you. Gideon brings that back and he lays that offering, that sacrifice. God burns it up right there on that stone and it makes a big mess and it just flares up and Gideon goes, whoa, that's amazing. You know, I realized that this is the Lord. And he said, how great that is. And then the Lord says to him, okay, I want you to go down. I want you to tear down the altars of Baal and cut down the Asherah poles. He does that, but he does it late at night because he's afraid that his family is going to catch him in the act. Well, they do catch him, but it's not till the next day. And the next day, Gideon's father has to stick up for him. Gideon's probably hiding somewhere, but his father comes out and says, what are you guys doing? You're sticking up for Baal. Israel does another thing, though. They, they don't really back him up. They get after him. They're mad at him. And so there's a little army of Midianites and Amalekites and all these other people. They join forces and they come after Gideon. All that this poor little guy needs is a bunch of people chasing him down the street. But Gideon goes back and he asks God another favor, another miracle. He basically offers to God this deal. He said, listen, I'll, I'll put this wool fleece down on the ground in the morning. If it's wet, I'll know it's you. Then he does it and he goes, wow, that's great. That was the Lord. But then he does it again. And he's like, when's this guy ever going to give up? He, he does it again. And now it's dry. And pretty much God just goes, man, I'm going to walk this through until this guy drops. And, you know, he gets an army together. Gideon has 20,000 guys, and that's got to be a lot if those numbers are correct. But when God gets done, he only has 300 left. Gideon's sitting there going, wow, man, this, I, am, I am a little out of juice here. I don't have much left to, to, to do. I can't, I can't agree with God. It's just not the right time for me to do that. So God says, listen, listen, here's the deal. It's a breaking moment. God says, I'm going to send you down to the enemy's camp, and I know that you're afraid to go, so take a person with you. So he goes down to the enemy's camp, and this is what the story's all about. When Gideon gets to that camp at night, he hears a man who is speaking about a dream that he had, and his friend interprets it. Gideon throws himself down onto the ground and begins to worship the Lord. Here's what happens. God has been saying it all along, but it wasn't until Gideon surrenders himself, overwhelmed by God's words, that he worships and bows down in the most peculiar place. You know, remember Abraham's servant, he bows down in the water hole, or Joshua is meeting the angel of the Lord on the road to Jericho, and Moses, the burning bush. Well, Gideon is similar. He bows down in the enemy's camp, the place you wouldn't think he would even go to. And when Gideon's heard the dream and the interpretation, it just clicks in his head. That's the moment his epiphany was, wow, this is God, I can really do this. But the man who wrote that faith statement in 1908 about the ministry of the Gideons, in that statement, they mentioned humility, they mentioned faith and obedience. That's the main point. Well, the main point of this story is really the moment Gideon falls down and becomes a true worshiper. Gideon worships not in private, he doesn't worship in front of all of his family or all the believers, but in the most unusual place. You know, after Gideon's 
request, his postponements, his inability to trust the encounter that he has with God, God gives him another chance, another moment, and he's overwhelmed. And at this point, he doesn't come up with questions. He doesn't say, let's try one more thing. Worship is a submission. Gideon, when he worshiped in the enemy's camp, if they would have seen him bowing down, they would have thought he was surrendering because that's what worship is. God was getting Gideon to a place where he would surrender. When people hear about worshiping God, if they were to hear God say, hey, you know, that worship is not singing, worship's not preaching, you know, worship isn't going on a missions trip. Those are all sacrifices. Those are other things. They're not worship. The people say, wait a minute, pardon me, pardon me. Did I hear that right? Are you sure about that? You know, they might ask for proof. You know, they, they could say, well, I'll need a miracle for, for me to believe that. Or they could say, is God just saying that? Or is it you? Or is it some weird theology? Why, what is that? We don't get it. They would say to you, prove to me that it, this is God's voice telling me to worship like that, bowing my face to the ground before the God of the universe. But instead they say, not in today's society, we don't do it like that. We do it a different way. That's no different than Israelites saying in their social environment, we're going to worship the way the Canaanites do. That's the way it's done. And God says, no, that's not the way it's done. How do we respond to God's interaction, to his voice, when he talks to us about worshiping him? Do we ignore it? Do we just say, pardon me? Why would a person want to pardon themselves from a God interaction? Gideon society at that time, bowing down before God was a common thing within the culture. He wasn't thinking about the idea of worship, the theology of worship, the position of worship. He was fighting with himself, his own insecurities, his fear of men, his fear of how it would seem or look to his family. He was fighting that idea that, is this really God's voice? He was being selfish about his own humanity. Worship is a response to God's interaction. And the story of Gideon is the story of a man, a human being, who finally realizes that God is asking him to worship him. And he responds to that interaction with bowing before his God on the floor in the enemy's camp in a place that's unusual, that would be very unexpected. That's what God wants from us, a willingness to surrender wherever we are.